Father God, you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And Father, we know that uh, you love us, that you have called us as your daughters, and you have gathered us together uh, in this place, in this time, for such a time as this. So Father, we are grateful, and we want to say thank you for that. We know that we are sisters in Christ, uh, whether we're here in this room or across the, um, wherever Zoom is going, we know, Lord, that um, you have joined us together and you've called us this morning to sit at your feet. So, Father, we obediently do that. We set aside our um, worry. We set aside our anxiety, our anxious thoughts. We set aside all of those things that threaten to um, just derail us sometimes. And we look at you. And Father, we ask that you would um, help us to hear. Help us to hear in our hearts and in our mind what you are saying through your word this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Trying to uh, introduce additional things to the grace of God. Trying to convince others that God's uh, grace was not adequate for their salvation. And Paul says to them, are you bewitched? What's happening here? Why aren't you sticking with what you learned? And so then he, through the book, he goes on to kind of, I, I suppose, build his case and present uh, again the, the knowledge, the information uh, that, that God is, um, has given us salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And how, what that means, how, what that means in our life as we, uh, as we live that on a daily basis. So this morning, I am at the end of what I will call a list. Who doesn't like a good list? I looked up the definition of that word, and it said that it is a simple series of words or numerals. So our lists can be very simple or they can be quite complex. They can be whatever we choose. I find great satisfaction personally in making a list. So on days when I'm, I'm having trouble um, thinking of what I should do, uh, perhaps I've had a couple of days of thinking, what did I do? And so I think, okay, today I'll write a list. And when I do that, I actually write everything, like get up, <laughs> make my bed, unload the dishwasher, spend time with Jesus in prayer, make lunch. So I just go through. And the reason I do that is I have great satisfaction in crossing it out when I've done it. So there I know that uh, it's there on paper, so it must have happened. I actually did accomplish something today. As we read uh, the list that Paul's included of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, I'm reminded that this is not a to-do list. 
but it's rather a beautiful word picture of the life of Jesus. And by the power and inward work of the Spirit is a portrait of Christ-like character that will be evident in me. As we begin our lesson this morning, I would like to establish some groundwork. We are going to briefly look at some scriptures as a means to help us sort through this list. Paul presents to the Galatians in the first century and subsequently to all believers. We know that the Holy Spirit is a member of the triune God, the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is multifaceted, but three essential aspects of that are bearing witness to Jesus Christ, applying Christ's redemptive work in human hearts, and working personally and progressively to form Christ-likeness in the lives of believers. The Holy Spirit is an active and personal presence in our lives. He makes it possible for the people of God to be progressively transformed into the image of Christ. I have listed numerous scriptures on your sheet. A few of them I've actually written out. I will be reading many of them in the Amplified Version. So they're going to be a little more wordy than perhaps what you are reading in your Bibles. But as I sometimes think it helps me to work through what, what God is saying. So Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 in the Amplified Version says, In him, and they're talking. it's talking about Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result, believed in him, were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. The one promised by God, as owned and protected by God, the Spirit is the guarantee, the first installment, the pledge, a foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possession, his believers, to the praise of his glory. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old images, the old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. My identity is now defined by God. I now have the ability not to sin. God has begun the process of sanctification, which is just a word that means being made holy in my life. We know from our own lives and the stories in scripture that we continue to struggle with what scripture calls the flesh. 
there is a warfare in the Christian's life between our inner self and our outer self. Romans 7, and 23 describes this. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Paul reminds the Galatians, who appear to be losing focus, drifting from the truth, to walk, to live in the Holy Spirit. So he shares two lists in Galatians 5. The first one is a list of the deeds of the flesh in verses 19 to 21, the sinful nature, and in verses 22 to 23, the fruit of the Spirit. What does it take to see myself as God sees me? Since, as Paul describes, I do the things I don't want to do, and the things I want to do, I don't do. Can you relate to that? So I have, I believe I have this written on your paper, Galatians 5, 16 to 26 from the Amplified Version. So let's just read that. But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek him and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of a sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. For the sinful nature has its desire, which is opposed to the spirit. And the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. But if you are guided and led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now, the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. Here's that first list, and it's, it's quite extensive. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, here's the next, the result of his presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, moral and moral courage. Our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit 
We must not become conceited, challenging or provoking one another, envying one another. The life of Christ can be reproduced in us only by the power of the Holy Spirit. As an inner work of God, it is not achieved by human effort, but by divine enabling. Apart from Christ and the power of the Spirit, we can accomplish nothing in the sight of God. I remember when that became very clear to me. Because um, many of us are, are doers. We can accomplish things. We are capable. But it came to the realization that I can accomplish nothing of eternal value apart from God, apart from the Holy Spirit's work in me. And that's reflected in John 15, 4 and 5. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit, producing evidence of your faith, unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. We are commanded also to share the word, to make disciples who make disciples. But you will receive power and ability, this is Acts 1, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Therefore, it's crucial that we develop a, con a conscious sense of dependence upon the Spirit's power in all we do, whether we're sharing the gospel with someone, whether we are serving them in love, whether we are responding to them. We need to have, be consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit within us. I encourage you to look at those verses in, in Ephesians. I'm not going to read those right now, but they, those are excellent verses that help us to understand that. Let's look back for a minute at the passage from Galatians 5. The word for walk, which essentially means to live life in its totality, in verse 16 refers to that, living the whole of our life, walking with the Spirit. In verse 25, we find that word again, walk. Here it's a little more specific and refers to the step-by-step -step process of daily life. Just as Jesus walked in total dependence upon the life of his father, which we read in the Gospels, particularly in the Gospel of John, so we must rest in the same source of power. We were never meant to create life, but to receive and display Christ's life in us. Dependence is critical, but there is no growth in the Christian life apart from discipline and self-control. The epistles are full of commands. There's lots and lots of action words in the epistles and the gospels. Believe, obey, walk. Present, fight, reckon, hold fast, 
pursue, draw near, obey. We must choose to have our minds and emotions guided and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. So we have a choice. I, I think more than ever in my life, I see that daily I have to choose. Moment by moment, almost, I have to choose. Because things are flying at us pretty quickly these days. When we wake up on any given morning, we don't know what the day will hold. We don't know what the report will be. We don't know what the world around us will present us with. But we do know who knows. And we do know how to draw to him. So every day, every moment, my heart and mind has to make that choice. Dependence is critical. We, our daily choices shape our habits. Our habits shape our character. Our character, in turn, guides the decisions we make in times of stress, temptation, and adversity. The daily regimen of the spiritual disciplines equips us to live well during the uncertainties of life. I find that that's a really important thought. It is as we prepare that we are able to live, to live lives that bring glory to God in those times of stress and adversity and suffering. Because, ladies, we know that they will come. We know that God assures us that in this world, we will have suffering. But he has overcome the world. This preparation is what Dallas Willard, who is a, um, an American philosopher and uh, a person who has written books about walking with God and being trans living a transformed life. So he calls this the law of indirect preparedness. The disciplines in the background of our lives prepare us for the unexpected times when we will need to respond in appropriate ways. I don't know what today will hold. What my response will be to the challenges and adversity that I will face. But I know who knows. I do have a choice in how I behave in this constant conflict within me in which I find myself. I can succumb to the deeds of the flesh, which I'm sorry to say I do on numerous occasions, or I can set my mind on Christ and walk by the Spirit. As we complete our study on this list, I'm coming to self-control. So let's first of all start by looking at a couple definitions. What does this mean, self-control? So the, the dictionary tells me that self-control is the ability to exercise restraint or control over one's feelings, emotions, thoughts, reactions, and actions. The King James Version of um, of Galatians 5, uses the word temperance. Temperance is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions. 
especially essential appetites, inward strength that helps to make the best choices. Self-restraint or moderation. The very concept of self-control implies a battle between a divided self. It implies that our self produces desires that we should not satisfy, but instead we should control. Luke 9, 23 and 24 reads, And he was saying to them, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside whatever selfish interests, and take up the cross daily, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believing in my conforming, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering, or perhaps dying because of faith in me. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world, for my sake, he is the one who will save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. Daily, ourself produces desires that should be denied or controlled. It is wise to form the habit of inviting God to search your heart and reveal any hurtful ways within you. I've discovered that I can convince myself of anything. I can rationalize my behavior. It was okay for me to say that. It was okay for me to act that way. They, they deserved it. They hurt me. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm. It talks about the purpose of our life, I believe. God saw us and formed us before the beginning of time. In verses 23 and 24, it says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try, my, try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Sustained attention to the heart, the wellspring of action, is essential to our spiritual growth. By inviting Jesus to examine our intentions and priorities, we open ourselves to his good and often painful work of exposing our manipulative and self-seeking strategies, our hardness of heart often concealed in religious activity, are competitively driven resentments in our pride. It is God's plan, beginning with salvation, that the believer will, be led, will lead a self-controlled life. Titus 2, 11 through 14, for the remarkable undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in the present age, awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness 
and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession, who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. There's numerous lists throughout scriptures that identify ungodliness, worldly desires, sinful nature. The Bible is very clear that we need to have a warrior mindset as we choose each day to lead a spirit-directed life, setting our minds on Christ. As I thought about this uh, fruit of self-control, it, it particularly pertains to sensual desires and appetites. Um, but I thought it, it pertains to many, many other things as well. So I kind of focused on three areas that I feel sometimes we gloss over a bit. The first one of these is the control of our tongue. It's connected, by the way. It's connected to my brain. <laughs> Sometimes I, I think it's, it, it's got a life of its own and it takes off in strange directions. But I am responsible for what comes out of my mouth. James 1, 10 and 11 says, Out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. These things, my brother, should not be this way. For we have a moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects our fear of God and profound respect for his precepts. Does a spring send out from the same opening fresh and bitter water? Another is the control of our time. Busyness. Luke, tw Luke 12, 35 through 40 reads, be dressed and ready for active service and keep your lamps continuously burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that when he comes and knocks, they may immediately open the door for him. Blessed, happy and prosperous to be admired are those servants whom the master finds awake and watching when he arrives. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, he will prepare himself to serve and will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them, whether he comes in the second watch before midnight or even in the third watch after midnight and finds them so prepared and ready. Blessed are those servants. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, he would have been awake and alert and would not have allowed the house to be broken into. You too, be continually ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you did not expect. We can be very involved with many, many things. Our world has lots and lots of distractions. Let's be ready. Let's be ready for the King. We are stewards of the time God has given us on this earth. He, we are also ambassadors of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. How we are using the precious moments and days he has given us. Do we control our time or do the lures and demands of the culture control us? The next one is the control of our mind. This is an area that I, I struggle with. 
And I believe until the Lord takes me home, I will continue to struggle. Between these ears here, there's a lot going on. It might look like there isn't sometime, but there is. Romans 13, 14 says, but clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is telling me what not to put my mind on and make no provision nor even think about gratifying the flesh in regard to its improper desires. Philippians 4, 8 tells me what I should put my mind on. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. That doesn't always sound like my, my mind, my day. So what does the Holy Spirit's work in my life in the area of self-control? What might that look like? What might this fruit of self-control look like? Particularly in these three areas I mentioned. Perhaps I will listen more and speak less. When I speak... I will speak words of love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and faithfulness. I will be available when the Holy Spirit prompts me to engage in the life of someone he brings to my mind. I won't be too busy. I will be willing to view the interruptions of life as opportunities to serve and love others, those kairos moments, which are God-ordained opportunities in my life. I will be mindful that you have placed me on this earth for a brief time to fulfill your purposes. Psalm 90 is one of the oldest psalms. It was written, as far as I understand, it is the only psalm written by Moses. And, and verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days that we may cultivate and bring to you a heart of wisdom. On a moment-by-moment -moment basis, I will choose to bring my thoughts under the control of the Holy Spirit. As Elizabeth Elliot uh, states, I will corral those thoughts that keep trying to escape from God's, uh, God's will. I will intentionally choose to express gratitude and thanksgiving to God in my circumstances, whether they seem pleasant at the time or not. I will be diligent to protect my eyes, my ears, and thoughts from distractions. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Therefore, since we have these great and wonderful promises, beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, completing holiness, live, living a consecrated life, a life set apart for God's purposes in the fear of God. The Holy Spirit is the power 
who perfects holiness in us and makes Christ a living reality in our lives. He does this by producing in us the fruit of self-control. Self-control is really spirit control. Holiness is never achieved by acting ourselves into a new way of being. Repeat that. I, I, I love that. That thought. Holiness is never achieved by acting ourselves into a new way of being. If I'm only better, if I, if I could stop this, if I could start this, that, that isn't what it's about. Instead, it is a gift that God graciously implants within the core of those who have trusted in Christ. All holiness is the holiness of Christ within us, the indwelling life of Christ. Thus, the process of sanctification is the gradual diffusion of this life from the inside, which is our being, to the outside, which is our doing, so that we become in action what we are in essence. We become in practice what we are in position. Remember, we are a new creature in Christ. We are God's child. Our efforts faithfully reveal what is within us. You can be sure of that. So that when we are dominated by the flesh, we will do the deeds of the flesh. When we walk by the Spirit, we will, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. As servants and ambassadors of the King, we must be obedient to the daily process, even when we cannot see what difference our obedience makes. It is impossible for us to live the Christian life in our own power. Access to the new life of God's kingdom is through Christ himself. And he has promised to live in us as we walk in the power of the indwelling spirit. We are filled with the spirit when we turn from our own resources and allow him to control us. Lord, may we not drift. I'd like to finish with a prayer from, and this is one of Paul's prayers in Ephesians. There are four sort of what I consider to be life-changing prayers um, that Paul uh, prays for those believers that he is um, ministering to. And this one is from Ephesians chapter 3. So if you bow your head, please. May God grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. And may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height and depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love, and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge, that you may be filled up through your being to all the fullness of God, 
so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So ladies, as we gather at our tables to share with each other, I just encourage you to give thought to these two lists. Um, consider if you are willing and open to share with each other your struggles in flesh. What is your flesh signature? What are those ways that your sinful nature, the temptations that you find yourself in repeatedly. I know what mine. If you feel willing to share those with each other, there is growth there. And then uh, sharing how you have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit changing you, working in your life, and and. Um, the things you have seen through what he has done in your heart and in the hearts of those around you. We're here today. We're gathered for a purpose. Those of you who sit uh, sit here in person are here for a reason. We are here to love and support and encourage and grow and to help each other. Those on Zoom, the same. So I encourage you to participate and um, think through those things. Thank you so much for the, the privilege of sharing God's word with you and uh, of just the love that I feel.